Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing out there? Y'all feeling all right? Good. Well, my name is Trevor. Um, I see some familiar faces, and I see some not-so-familiar faces. So um, I'd like to introduce myself to everybody. Uh, like I said, my name is Trevor, and a shout-out to my wife in the back and my little son, Wills. So glad they could make it tonight. Um, please say hi after the meeting if you have a chance to them. They'd love to meet you. I can't, I'm trying to remember the last time I was here. I, I can't remember if it was last semester or a year ago, but that's it. Nevertheless, it's been too long, regardless. So I'm so happy to be with you guys here tonight. I'm so glad that I was asked to speak to y'all. Uh, right now, I'm working as an engineer, but I was on staff with Christian students on campus for three years, so campus ministry is something very near and dear to my heart. I think about it probably every day. I miss it a lot, so I'm just really happy to be with you guys uh, here tonight and really just take advantage of this moment. Does everybody have an outline? Raise your hand, I guess, if you don't have one. Okay, can we get them an outline, please? We have a lot of ground to cover, and as you can see, uh, this evening, we're going to be talking about companions in the Lord and really unpacking this. And I need you guys to do one thing for me tonight, okay? And I need you to do the best that you can to turn and open your heart wide to the Word tonight. Because what God wants to do, He wants to sow the seed of this Word into our hearts so that that seed falls on the good earth and that seed bears fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. It really becomes our experience. We enter into it and it becomes our reality. The second thing that I don't need you, uh, need you to do for me, but I highly recommend, is note-taking. So can you open your heart? Yes. Okay. You can take notes if you want to. I highly, highly recommend it. Because ink on a piece of paper can last a lot longer than what can be put into the brain. So... <clears throat> Tonight we're going to be talking about companions in the Lord, and this is something that's very dear to my heart because I look back on my Christian life, and without the people, without the Christians that God put in my life, I just, I don't know where I would be today. And probably if you reflect in the same way, just the people that God has placed in your life and how they've impacted you, where would you, would you be where you are today? I definitely would not, and hopefully if time allows, I'd like to share a little story of how I was impacted by my companions in the Lord when I was your age in college. But first, before we dive into the content, I want to really just kind of get into the definition of what a companion is. And if you go to the etymology of companion, it's composed of really two words. It's come and panis, P-A-N-I-S. That means with bread, together with bread. That's what that means. So when we talk about companions, we're talking about a matter of eating, which is so crucial, not only in the physical life, I'm sure everybody enjoyed the pizza tonight, but also in the spiritual life. And so that's going to bring us to the first point, that companions in the Lord, they determine our diet. Let's say it together. Determine our diet. Let's say it one more time. Determine our diet. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at the story of Daniel and really diving into some details and unpacking this matter of companions in the Lord and what Daniel had with his companions and what they were able to tap into, 
what they were able to experience, what they were able to resist because they were companionized in the Lord. And I'm sure most of us, you know, if you grew up in a Christian family, you're somewhat familiar with Daniel. But, you know, if you, if you look at Daniel chapter 1, what happens is Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king of Babylon, and he comes in to Jerusalem, and he sieges it, and he takes it over, and what he does is he plunders, he takes the vessels out of the temple, God's house, which is very precious to God, and he takes a bunch of the sons of Judah back into exile all the way into Babylon. So let's just put ourselves into Daniel's shoes here. Daniel is a very young boy, and next thing he knows, he's living his life, and this terrifying army comes in, and they siege up uh, all around, cut off the food supply, cut off the water supply, and next thing you know, they're coming in, and they're taking you captive, and you're on this long, long, long march back to Babylon, this place that maybe he doesn't even know exists, for sure he's unfamiliar with. And if you look it up, the journey from Jerusalem to Babylon is about 500 miles, and there's no cars back then. So you got to think there's a bunch of people that have been taken out of their way of life, taken away from their families, taken away from their homes, you're a little boy, you're on a 500-mile journey marching day in and day out, day in and day out, and they, and they had to make a loop because it was just impractical for them to go straight from Jerusalem to Babylon because you had to cross a desert which nobody could survive. So they, so they walked along the Fertile Crescent, but again, it's 500 miles, and so you know, mile 20, mile 40, mile 100, mile 200, you're there, your feet are hurting, you're so tired, you're thirsty. Maybe you've seen some people left behind because they're too weak to march. Maybe you've seen somebody as a little boy just die before your eyes of heat exhaustion, of thirst. You think Nebuchadnezzar and his army cares? Nope, he's leaving you behind. And so then finally you make the 500-mile journey as this little boy, and you come into Babylon with all its riches, with all its splendor, with the hustle and bustle of the city. you got the king's palace that's so magnificent. You're surrounded by this terrifying army that took you away from your home. And then you're placed somewhere in temporary housing. You don't know what your future is going to hold. You have no idea. And you're just still so young. So, so young. And so maybe you're thinking at night, Daniel's lying on his bed, what in the world is my future going to hold? This place is unknown to me. I've had people that I know die. And then this guy named Ashpenaz rolls in and he starts rounding up all the young boys and he brings them into the palace. And there were certain qualifications that you had to have if you were going to be rounded up by this guy named Ashpenaz. These are the qualifications. You had to be a son of Israel. You had to be from the royal seed and from nobility. You had to be a children in whom there was no defect, who were good in appearance, who showed insight in all wisdom, understanding and knowledge and apprehension and thought, in whom there was the ability to stand in the king's palace. And he told them to teach them the learning and the language of the Chaldeans. So you're Daniel. You get rounded up by this dude. 
and you come to find out that King Nebuchadnezzar, the guy in charge of this army that took you away from your house, he's telling him, round up all these kids that are the cream of the crop. They're the best of the best. They're from nobility. They're from a high class. Not only are they smart, but they have wisdom. Not only do they have knowledge, but they know how to apply that knowledge. They're going to be the future leaders of the Israelites. But yet King Nebuchadnezzar is rounding up the best of the best so that he can, one, teach them the learning and language of the Chaldeans. And two, he wants to redefine them and defile them. So what ends up happening is that Daniel it actually mentions, let's, let's read, I think now's a good time to read Daniel 1.6. Let's go to our outlines. Let's read that all together. Ready, go. Okay. It's not a coincidence that at the very beginning of Daniel, these four young men are mentioned. Very, very crucial. And so you got to think about it. Daniel has now heard the decree from this guy named Ashpenaz that got the decree from King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man on the earth, that you're now about to have a glorious future. Because not only are you going to be given the best of the best when it comes to wisdom and knowledge in the language of the Chaldeans, but I'm going to feed you the king's choice provision. So exactly what the king ate is going to be offered to the young boys um, for a very particular reason. And actually, what we need to see here in these verses is that when we peel back the veils, what's happening in this story is exactly what's happening today. Nebuchadnezzar, he represents Satan in this story. And what he wants to do is redefine and defile. You read Daniel chapter 1, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah and Mishael, they're, all their names are changed. Why? Because the King, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar knew if I can redefine who they are, I can change their destiny away from their God-given destiny and they can come under my usurping hand. And not only that, if I redefine them outwardly and offer them the best food from my table, then I can defile them inwardly. So there's an outward attack and there's an inward attack so that the future leaders of Israel, the young generation that's supposed to be responsible for carrying on the race of God's testimony and God's kingdom, they are now under attack outwardly and inwardly by the most powerful man on earth. And here, with Daniel 1.6, you had Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and in response to the king through Ashpenaz saying, feed them my choice provision. Give them my wine to drink. This is Daniel's response. Let's all read verse 8 together. Ready, go. But Daniel set his heart not to defile himself with the king's choice provision and with the wine that the king drank. So he requested of the leader of the eunuchs Okay, when Daniel did this, he actually put the, what did it say, the leader of the eunuchs, that's Ashpenaz, 
He's putting that guy's life on the line because Ashpenaz, his, he is directly responsible for raising these boys up so they can be qualified to stand in the king's palace. And a big part of that happening was that they would partake of this special diet, which is the king's choice provision. But in that situation, when you're outside of your comfort zone, when you're facing the most powerful entity in the universe at that time, you say no to that. That's what Daniel did. Daniel set his heart not to be defiled with the king's choice provision. And the word, Daniel 1.8, it specifically uses the word defile because that shows us a window into what's behind the king's choice provision. That actually this food that Nebuchadnezzar wanted these young boys to eat was offered to idols. And in 1 Corinthians, we know that demons are behind idols. So this was the subtle strategy of Nebuchadnezzar to defile these young boys from within. But Daniel set his heart to not be defiled. And let's think about this phrase here, set his heart. How was he able to do that? Think about that. Maybe think of your experience where you've had your heart set on something and you're rock solid within and your resoluteness cannot be wavered. Maybe that for you, that's been coming to UT all your life. You've purposed in your heart and set it in your heart. This is what I'm going to do and nobody's going to stop me. I want us to kind of tap into the feeling in Daniel's heart when, we, when it says here he set his heart. There was a resoluteness there. But I want us to see how he was able to do this and how in the midst of this, situa this monumental situation when you are rejecting the most powerful man on earth's order to eat from his food. How did he do this? It's because he had companions. That's how he was able to do that. You know, brothers and sisters, when I look back on my experience, if you consider your experience, we have times with the Lord where we set our heart towards him. We give ourselves to him. He strengthens us within to be resolute. Say, I am for God. But how is our heart that's set in that direction, how is it maintained and how is it reinforced? It's only maintained and reinforced if we have companions in the Lord. We got to have people in our lives that reinforce our set heart that say we are for God. That's how Daniel was able to do that in, a, in the midst of that monumental situation, in the midst of all of his other people that he knew, all the young sons of Judah, they're choosing the king's choice provision. They're diving into King Nebuchadnezzar's program. But here I am. I'm saying no. He was able to do that because next to him are his companions. Even though it's focusing on Daniel, Daniel and his companions would be like, we're in this together. We know that we're not going to be defiled by that king's choice provision offered to idols. We're here for God. We're not going to let that junk get into us. And there was the reinforcing power to maintain their set heart, not to be defiled with the king's choice provision. So every day, every day, especially in, 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 in any aspect of life, 
but especially in university life, every day the King's Choice provision is being offered to you. Every day, the best that the world has to offer is before you every day. So that's why we need companions to say no to that. Because a lot of times, if that stuff gets in, we get defiled, and we can testify to that experience. If we take that item in, we eat it, we digest it, we give it room in us, we find ourselves in a place farther from God than where we were previously. But if we have companions in the Lord, we will be reinforced, and our heart will be set and girded and strengthened, and we'll be rock solid within because we'll have our companion on our left, our companion on our right, our companion in front, and our companion behind, and we're just girded, and we're like, this is where we are, this is who we are, this is what we do. That's Daniel and his companions. And not only did they refuse the king's choice provision, but they said, give us water to drink and give us vegetables to eat. And what that means for us today is that we need to drink Christ as the water of life, and we need to eat Christ as the tree of life. So as companions, not only do we need, there, need to be there for each other to reinforce our resoluteness to be for God in the midst of everybody else taking another way, in the midst of everybody else having another diet. Not only do we need that, but with our companions, we need to drink the water and eat the vegetables. We need to drink Christ and we need to eat Christ every day. There's a lot of ways to do that. We don't quite have the time to get into it tonight, but if you want to know how to eat Christ and drink Christ, especially with your companions, it's very important, and you can ask somebody after the meeting. Highly, highly recommend it. Eating is crucial. Eating changes us. When we eat, we can become something that we're not, and we want to eat the good things. We want to eat Christ so that He can work Himself more into us so that we can become His expression. So companions are crucial when it comes to determining our diet. We need them. We need to pray for them. And we can advance in this matter, especially the times that we come together with our companions, more eating Christ, more drinking Christ, more of a set heart, more of being for God and maintaining that orientation and that orientation being strengthened for the rest of our life. Okay, I need to move on. Um, This next point this matter of companions in the Lord, they live the kingdom life. So companions, this this is what I want us to see with this point. You know, companions are crucial for our Christian life and our going on. But a lot of the times we just see the need for companions is how that's going to benefit me in my Christian life. But what I want us to do tonight is we're going to turn that arrow and we're going to see that God actually is desiring that we would be companionized for what He wants to do. And this is extremely motivating because we realize companions is is not just for us and our personal benefit, but God has an extreme benefit out of us being companionized. It's like, do we want to do something for God? Do we want to be for Him in our lives? I think we're here tonight. So I think we do want that. How about let's have an uplifted, broadened perspective of what it means to be companionized 
and that God is actually looking for such persons to live the kingdom life, to bring his kingdom from the heavens to the earth. So companions in the Lord, they live the kingdom life. Let's say that together. One, two, three. And there's many aspects to the companion uh, to living the kingdom life. This is what I want to focus on tonight, okay? Feel free to write this down. Okay, hold on. Let me, get, let me get there. Living the kingdom life, all right? This is the angle that we want to hit from, okay? It is, you ready? To expand God's kingdom on earth. To expand God's kingdom on earth. And to cause Satan's kingdom to suffer loss. Have you ever viewed your companionship in such light? That genuine, vital companionship gives God a way to expand his kingdom on earth and simultaneously cause Satan's kingdom to suffer loss. That's where we're going on this next point. We're talking about God and we're talking about Satan and how companionship fits into what they want to do or what they don't want to do. Okay, Matthew 6.10. Let's read that verse all together. Ready, go. Your kingdom come, your will be done, as in heaven, so also on earth. Okay, this verse is here to reveal the purpose. What does God want to do? It's being reflected it's being echoed in the Lord Jesus' prayer here in Matthew 16. Your kingdom come. God the Father, your kingdom come. God the Father, your will be done. As it is on heaven, so on earth. That's the purpose of that verse. God's kingdom coming to the earth. Okay, now we're going to get into really the nuts and bolts of how this can happen among our companions with Matthew 18, 18 through 20. So here's what we're going to do. Let's read all the verses all together. All right, ready, go. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on the earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loose in heaven. Again, truly I say to you, Excellent. So I want to first identify where we see companions in these verses. Okay. Verse 18. The you there is plural. There's where you see companions. The you. Verse 19. Two of you. There's companions. And then 20. Two or three. There's companions. Companions, companions, companions. In all three verses. You know, with these verses, actually, we're going to visit them in reverse order. We're going to start in verse 20 and make our way back to 18 because in actuality and experientially, the way we enter into these verses 
is first we enter into verse 20, then we enter into verse 19, and then based on that foundation, we have verse 18 in our experience. So we're going to look at verse 20 right now. For where there are two or three gathered into my name, there am I in their midst. First point, being gathered. Every time you get with other believers, get with your companions, you're being gathered. You're not going to that gathering with your companions. You're being gathered, which means the Lord is the initiator. We're not the initiator when we get with our companions. The Lord has initiated that. The Lord is working with that. It's something that originates out from Him. So it's not a small thing to be gathered with our companions because our gatherings find their source in the Lord. Where there are two or three gathered into my name. Into. What does that imply? If I go into something, that means what just happened. I exited something. I came out of something. So when we're gathered into the Lord's name, we need to make a mass exodus out of so many things. We need to come out of our day. We need to come out of our past. We need to come out of our sins. We need to come out of ourselves. We need to come out of our own thoughts and feelings and intentions and purposes. A mass exodus of everything that we are and everything that we've done into the Lord's name. Into this precious person. When we make such an exodus from all these things that hold us back. With the Lord gathering us, He's rescuing us out of all these earthly occupations to be gathered in His name, not only to enjoy His presence, but to be one with Him, to be filled with Him, to be saturated with Him. And we're about to see this word in the next verse, to be harmonized with Him. Because that's the direction we're headed to. From verse 20 to verse 19, we're about to hit on the harmony. The two or three in harmony. That's impossible to do in ourselves. Have you ever tried to do that in yourself with somebody outside of Christ? How harmonious are you? Or is it just like a, it's just like a chord that just doesn't mesh? What's that called, KB, man, on the piano? Just like a chord that is dissonance. There's just dissonance instead of harmony. Verse 19. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> Again, truly I say to you that if two of you are in harmony on earth concerning any matter for which they ask, it will be done for them from my Father who is in the heavens. If two of you are in harmony on earth, that's what we're about to focus in on. Like we said, this is impossible to do in ourselves. That's why we need verse 20 to be gathered into the Lord's name. Because what happens is when we're gathered and we're in the Lord's name, we become harmonious with Him. We receive His thoughts. We receive His feelings. We receive His intentions. We receive His desires. And as we're being calibrated with Him, automatically with our companions, we're becoming calibrated and harmonized with one another. It's not that, hey, you come to my side and, and agree with me, or I'll come to your side and agree with you. 
and we'll be harmonized like that. No, we're being headed up in Christ. We're putting ourselves aside and we're opening our hearts to the Lord to allow Him to come in and rule and reign and to recalibrate us. And with Him recalibrating us, we get calibrated with, one, with each other. And that's how we can have the harmony amongst our companions. And when there's the harmony amongst the companions, brothers and sisters, heaven gets opened up. Heaven's no longer locked up, but heaven is opened up. Because it says here, if two of you are in harmony on earth and for whatever you ask, my Father who is in the heavens will do it for you. We have to see. I recognize that voice back there. We have to see, brothers and sisters, there's too many things stacked up in heaven. There's the throne. And there's a conveyor belt with a bunch of stuff on it. And God wants to bring all these items that are related to his kingdom, that are related to his will, and he wants to funnel them to the earth. But the thing is, if there's no companionship, there's no way for what God wants to do in heaven to be done on the earth. That's why the Lord prayed, your will be done as in heaven, so also on earth. That's why it says, if two of you are in harmony on earth, my Father who is in the heavens will do it for you. we got to see that heaven, where God is, where the throne is, He has so many things stacked up that He wants to do in our lives, with our family, in our dorm, with our classmates, on this campus. He wants to do so many things. He's waiting for an outlet on earth. And companions give him an outlet. When you have companionship, where you have the harmonization, not only the harmony of the core of the companions being, but the harmony in prayer, heaven gets opened up and there's finally an outlet for all these things that are stacked up in heaven to get transmitted to the earth through the companionship. There's finally an outlet on earth where God's will from the heavens can be carried out on the earth. So God is looking, brothers and sisters, where are the companions living the kingdom life? I want to do so much on this earth in every aspect of people's lives, but I'm looking for a way. Who's going to give me a way? It's companions living the kingdom life where he has a way to transmit his will in the heavens to the earth. And when that transmission takes place, through companions, God's kingdom is expanded on the earth. And simultaneously, these two go together. As God's kingdom expands, Satan's kingdom automatically suffers loss. There's no neutral ground. It's not like, oh, this space is unoccupied, so God just comes in. No, it's just they go back and forth. 
If God's kingdom expands, Satan's kingdom suffers loss and vice versa. If there's not a way, if there's not the outlet on earth through the vitalized, harmonized companions, Satan just has his kingdom there. But God is looking towards those who are willing to be companionized to this extent, to this extent of being harmonized, to this extent of purpose of heart, so that they can give God away to do what He wants to do, which is to bring His heavenly kingdom to the earth and cause Satan's kingdom to suffer loss. Verse eighteen. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on the earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loosed in heaven. If you look at Matthew sixteen nineteen, these words are said, I think, pretty much verbatim. Verbatim. Sorry, they're said pretty much verbatim. But the Lord doesn't leave a de- He leaves out a detail in Matthew 18 um, that he has in Matthew 16. He says, to you, I will give the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on the earth shall have been bound in heaven. So whatever you loose on the earth shall have been loosed in heaven. So what companions do? Companions that have the characteristics of being gathered into the Lord's name, being harmonized with the Lord, Harmonize with one each other. They have the prayer. It's like, I put my keys in my pocket. The Lord's like, here are the keys to the kingdom. Use it. When you got the keys, like this is the keys to my car, my Hyundai Sonata. If I give you the keys, what does that mean? If you have my keys, what does it mean? One, it means you have access to it. It means you have access Two means you can use it. You can employ it. And three means you can enjoy it. So when we're companionized to this extent, God's just like, here's some keys. Here are the keys. Here are the keys. Take these keys. You're one with Christ. You're one with each other. You are positioned to execute my will on the earth. You're positioned to say, You're positioned to pray and bind everything that doesn't correspond with God. And you're positioned and equipped to pray to loose everything that corresponds with God. That's what we have when we tap into companionship in this way. We got the keys, brothers and sisters. We got the keys of the kingdom. Not only do we have access to that kingdom authority, but we can use it and enjoy it. It feels good when you call Satan to suffer loss. It feels good when you're causing God's kingdom to expand, when you're doing it with each other. You know, we can pray sometimes, Lord, you bind this. Lord, you loose that. But he might say, "Uh, look at Matthew 18, 18. I'm telling you, you bind that. You loose that. You're in harmony with me. You're in harmony with each other. You're companionized. You're living the kingdom life. You got the keys. You bind everything that doesn't correspond with me, and you loose everything that corresponds with me. 
Your prayers cause my kingdom to expand. You just say expand. You say God's kingdom, expand. Expand here. Expand there. Satan, we say no. We say no more. You stop right here. And we actually cast you out. We bind you because we're one with Christ. That's what companions in this way allow us to experience. I want this. Do you want that? God is given away among companions that are vitalized and living the kingdom life to such an extent. I pray the Lord will bring us into this. All right, I know my time is short, but I want us to see these verses that just keep emphasizing this point. All right, Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Remember that name that we're gathered into? Whose name is that? It's Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Look what this name is. It's the name which is above every name. That in the name of Jesus, that name that we're gathered into, that person that we're one with, that person that we share his authority when we're harmonized with him and harmonized with one another, that in that name, every knee should bow. Authority. In that name is authority. Because in that name, everything in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will bow. Because there is authority in that name. Revelation 12.10 And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and the power in the kingdom of our God. There's the kingdom of our God. And the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers has been cast down, who accuses them before our God day and night. You can underline, um, now has come the kingdom of our God. Remember what the Lord was praying for back in Matthew 6.10? Your kingdom come, your will be done. In heaven, so also on earth. This begins that manifestation. This is the beginning of that coming into fruition where people can actually see it with their physical eyes. Why is it able to come? Because the accuser has been cast down. The kingdom comes when the accuser, which is Satan, is cast down. Look at these verses in Luke 10. Now after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two, companions, two by two. Sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to come. Underline two by two. Verse nine. And heal the sick who are in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has drawn near to you. Underline two by two. Underline the kingdom of God has drawn near to you. Verse 17. And the 70 returned. All these ones that were companionized that went out, they returned with joy saying to the Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. There's that name again. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. So you had these 
35 groups, 35 sets of companions going out in the Lord's name with the Lord's authority, harmonized. And they come back, Lord, even the demons are subject in your name. The Lord's like, I know. Because when you were going out and telling people about me, you were harmonized with me, you were one with me, you had the keys, you exercised my authority, I was just watching Satan just fall again and again and again and again and again. Every time Satan fell, more of my kingdom came. That's the principle. When Satan falls, God's kingdom comes more. In Revelation 12, he's cast down. The kingdom of God has come. The disciples, two by two, they say the kingdom has drawn near. And the Lord is like, he's fallen. Satan's fallen like lightning. This is ours, brothers and sisters, in Christ. Companions living the kingdom life, expanding God's kingdom on the earth and causing Satan to fall like lightning and causing his kingdom to suffer loss. I think I'm out of time. Um, Deuteronomy 32, 30a. How shall one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight? Two individuals working individually can only chase 2,000 total. But two that are companionized, that are harmonized, can chase 8,000 more. That's the principle. The principle of companionship. The principle of the body. Where we have the heavens open to us and we have God away. We give God away to expand his kingdom on the earth. Um, <clears throat> if you want to later, I have, I have some examples here. If you want to just read some really awesome stories in Acts about these companions right here and how they were one with the Lord to expand God's kingdom on the earth and to cause Satan's kingdom to suffer loss. And there's some bonus stuff in the back that um, regarding companionship are some more just tremendous benefits that we have when we, when we enter into that reality. So right now is probably a good time to stop. How about let's do this? Let's gather around, I guess, in small groups and just have a little fellowship. What stood out to you? Any, any questions you want to ask the people around you? We'll do that for a few minutes and then come back together, okay?